Welcome to the Books and Bites podcast. Each month, we bring you book recommendations and discuss the bites and beverages to pair with them. I'm Carrie Green, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Michael Cunningham and Adam Wheeler. Hello. Hi. So we are nearing the end of the 2020 Books and Bites challenge, and we wanted to remind everyone that we'll begin accepting your challenge entries beginning December 1st. You can drop them off at the library, or you can fill out a form on our website at jesspublib.org forward slash books hyphen bites. This month, we're talking about books by Kentucky authors. And we originally chose to talk about this theme now because the Kentucky Book Festival is traditionally held in November. And they are still holding the festival, but uh, the events, like everything else, (laughs) are happening online. Um, Now the events are happening from November 9th through the 14th, and there are tons of great virtual talks and panels and readings. Um, So if you want to find even more Kentucky authors than what we talk about today, I would recommend heading over to that festival website. There are so many great writers in Kentucky. I found it hard to choose who to focus on for this prompt. How about you all? Yeah, I did. Um, I know I, I just went back and forth between a few. Um, with Gurney Norman, which was a professor I had at UK, I thought about reading his or Frank X. Walker, his uh, poetry collection we have at his. Mm-hmm. Um, Ed, Ed McClellahan. So mm-hmm. there's this. It's surprising, you know, the the breadth and depth we have of of amazing authors in this state and from the state. Yeah, I agree. I had a hard time narrowing down the list of multiple books that we're that we're going to talk about. And there's a ton of writers who live in Lexington. Um, it's kind of amazing how many we have here as well. How about you, Adam? Yeah, I had a hard time. Uh, (laughs) So I'm a really picky reader. And then when it gets narrowed down to just like Kentucky authors, it gets very, very difficult to find one that I want to read and that we have. (laughs) That's that's a bit of a difficult one for me. Um, I found the one that I did by scrounging around on the University of Kentucky Press website. And I also learned that not everything that they publish is by a Kentucky author. It it covers a pretty big region, Mm -hmm. actually, but it helped point me in the right direction. Good. So my recommendation is Whispers in the Dark by Laurel Hightower. Rose McFarlane is a tough-as-nails sniper for a SWAT team in Memphis, Tennessee. She's in line to be promoted to captain in the near future, but everything changes after a tense hostage situation goes sideways, and she has to take out Charlie Akers, a desperate man who took his ex-wife and two children hostage in a house in the suburbs. Afterwards, as Rose examines the body of Charlie Akers sprawled out in the driveway, the dead man turns his head and speaks her name. You see, Rose has a gift 
She can see the dead and hear what she calls the whispers, sounds that herald the appearance of ghosts and other entities that started when she was a child. Back then, her controlling, gaslighting, religious cellar of a father used to lock her in the cellar, thinking her evil. Then one night, 18 years ago, a fire started in her bedroom, killing her father and brother, and left Rose severely scarred over most of her body. Her mother dumped her at a hospital and never spoke to her again. But since that night, the ghosts and the whispers have pretty much left her alone until now. Hearing Charlie speak her name sets off a chain of events that flips Rose's life upside down. Things are coming at her from all angles. The dead are making themselves known to her again. Her friend Zach disappears. A rogue FBI agent is asking questions about her. It knows about the whispers and who Charlie Akers really is. And now her son is hearing and seeing things just like Rose did. And as she starts piecing together all these mysteries surrounding her, she finds it is leading her on a twisting and winding road to an epic face-off in the hills of Kentucky with world-ending consequences. I don't mean to be cliche, but this book really is a nonstop page turner. It races along at breakneck speed with its cinematic writing. You could almost direct a movie straight from its pages. It is full of action and packed with twists and turns at every corner. I really love the complexity of the character of Rose, which really drives the story forward. She's a fighter, tough and courageous. It doesn't take crap from no one, yet still wrapped with guilt from the night of that fire so long ago. So if you're a fan of thriller, suspense, or horror, I would highly recommend Whispers in the Dark. There's plenty of action and twists for thriller lovers and just enough creepiness for the whorehounds out there. For my pairing, I chose the Kentucky staple bourbon. Larceny bourbon distilled by Heaven Hill is one of my favorite sipping bourbons. It is a nicely balanced weeded bourbon with a nice fruity aroma and notes of bread with a little cinnamon thrown in there for good measure. It is on the sweeter side with notes of honey, cinnamon, and nutmeg. It can be enjoyed by bourbon novice and connoisseur alike. That drink sounds uh, soothing. Uh, it, yeah. Do you know a lot about bourbon? Are you a bourbon drinker, Adam? I hate bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've heard larceny is is on the lower end, but it's been uh, called a poor man's uh, pappies. Yeah. Which is, you know, everybody's heard of pappies, and then, you know, that goes for like 150, 200 bo- you know, dollars a bottle. So. Mm-hmm. so, well, it's good to know the uh, the librarian salary <laughs> bourbon. <laughs> yes. yes. Let's talk Kentucky history. My local author read was Madame Bell, Sex, Money, and Influence in a Southern Brothel uh, by Mary Jean Wall. Uh, Misspelled that in my text, so I got confused for a second. Um, At the time of the book's publication, 2014, Mary Jean Wall had worked for the Lexington Herald Leader for 35 years and earned a doctorate in history at UK. If you've got an interest in horse racing, Wall ties the development of the horse industry with Kentucky history in both Madame Bell and her other University Press of Kentucky publication, How Kentucky Became Southern, A Tale of Outlaws, Horses, uh, Thieves, Gamblers, and Breeders. So this is mainly a book about prostitutes and horses that I am talking about today. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And and that wasn't enough to... To draw you in? No, surprisingly. Um, <laughs> it's biographies, man. I just, I have a hard time with them. Um, 
you know, fair warning, I generally do not enjoy biographies. Apparently, you know. Uh, <laughs> however, I was drawn in by Lexington's salacious historical celebrity, Belle Breezing. While I haven't finished the book in its entirety, uh, I'll give Wall some credit for keeping me engaged in a biography as long as she has. I made it about a third of the way through the book. Um, <laughs> don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> We're totally judging you. <laughs> That's fine. Whatever. Um, that just means that next year I could use this. I don't know. Do we have a challenge for a book that you didn't finish next year? Or is that only this year? Yeah, I don't think that made it onto our list. Nope. Well, I can save it for a personal challenge. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I'm going to say. <laughs> and you talked us out of um, you talked us out of putting biographies on our challenge list. So yeah, you, you used it for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't like biographies. I think it reminds me of doing research papers in middle school. Um, <laughs> no, anyway. I. Well, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I sometimes struggle with biographies too, and unless they're really narrative. And in fact, um, I was reading a biography for this challenge as well, and ended up abandoning it. Um, it wasn't. It was fairly engaging. It was um, irrepressible. Um, the Jazz Age, I, I can't quite remember the title, The Jazz Age Life of Henrietta. Lax? No. Mm, no, 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 no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, Bingham. Bingham, the Bingham family in Louisville. Um, and who seemed like a pretty interesting character, um, not a prostitute like Belle Breezing, but you know, very, she was a lesbian and did a like, was very, um, you just broke a lot of barriers for women. Um, oh, that's cool. But it was also really depressing and she struggled with mental illness and I just, I just couldn't deal. Yeah. So, so I I am judging, but I also sympathize. Yeah. I mean, you could always bit, like read a few of the main points and then scat the rest of it. Just <laughs> like fill right. it in. Mentally. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, going back to this book, uh, you'll definitely learn some information about Bell Breezing, the influential brothel owner who was a staple of Lexington's red light district for many years. Surprise to me, we had a red light district. I didn't know that. <laughs> um, but there are scant primary sources that detail Belle's life. Perhaps due to her profession, she didn't leave a significant paper trail except for her meticulous business ledgers. So Wall supplies what information is available and uses historical context to flesh out Belle's history. We find out that she was a child during the Civil War, uh, when control of Lexington shifted between Union and Confederate occupation. Uh, there's also plenty of history related to folks within Belle Breezing's sphere of influence, whether it be politicians, businessmen, social societies, all that jazz. Um, I also learned that the Phoenix Hotel around where Phoenix Park Park Place and the Lexington Public Library's downtown ranch are located, had burned down a number of times and been rebuilt. While my squirrel brain had trouble staying engaged through all of his historical context, I did learn a good bit about regional history. 
without a doubt, any history buffs will come away from this book eager to pursue one of the many subjects that were introduced uh, in Madame Bell. Um, <laughs> if any of my rundown there might clue you in, there's a lot of just... It's a lot of bouncing around to different subjects. There's a lot of information to take in, and it kind of reads like... Like, I, I understand the reasoning. I understand why it's written the way it is, but it feels a lot like just a listing of facts in historical order. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. and a little bit of fleshing out. I could do, like, a, a narrative biography a little bit better, like you said, or, like, yeah. a biographical fiction. I enjoy those, actually. Um but this, it, it feels like a textbook. She did a great job. I just. I think it's also usually, tr it's tricky, like you said, when there's not a lot of primary source documents. You know, I read a biography mm -hmm. of um, Benjamin Franklin's sister and there was no, you know, there was very few primary source documents. There were a few letters that she wrote to Benjamin Franklin. And I felt like the writer and was kind of just having to do so much conjecture that, you know, can you make a book out of yeah, this? Yeah. Or... I have to wonder what is, what is her wow. claim to history? Like what was her, what was her significance to have a book written about? Well, I mean, the kind of the point of the book was that here was a woman who was just as intelligent as her brother, um, but the time period and um, her economic situation, her gender, her class, you know, all of that stuff. It was sort of like a comparison, you know. Here is, ben, you know, what Benjamin Franklin, a man, was able to do at this time period. And here is um, his sister. Um, so, you know, I, it certainly has value in um, trying to correct a historical erasure, I think. Yeah. Um, but, you know, felt a little flimsy as far as... Yeah facts if they had had some really good like historical documents to go on it sounds like it could have been a lot better mm -hmm. yeah um anyway my closing statement <laughs> breeze through madame bell with a tart glass of sour cherry lemonade made with sour cherries lemon simple syrup and club soda the recipe can be found in Classic Kentucky Meals by Rona Roberts, available as both an ebook and in hard copy from JCPL. Did y'all catch that sly tart joke in there? <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> uh, I respect Belle Breezing. I think what she did was cool and she was successful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the the last book that you mentioned, the um, classic Kentucky classic Kentucky meals, um, I have read that, and I think that is a great cookbook and a really interesting book just to read. Um, and so, if you're looking for a food, a book for the last challenge, um, well, the last challenge that we're going to. Um, talk about the books about food or cookbooks. Um, 
then um, that would be one that would count for count for two by a Kentucky author and a book about food. She um, talks a lot about um, like different food producers in Kentucky, different farms and things like that and the history of things. So yeah, there was the, what is it? The Weisen, Weisenberger mill. I feel like I remember mm -hmm. all that in there. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was cool to see stuff that I, I recognize. Like, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my first book is For Black Girls Like Me, a novel for middle grade readers by Mariana J. Lockington, a writer who lives in Lexington. Makeda Kirkland, or Kada, as she prefers to be called, is an 11-year-old girl and is, like the book's author, a transracial adoptee. Kada is Black, and her parents and older sister, Eve, are white. The book opens just as the Kirkland family is in the process of moving from Maryland to New Mexico, where Kada's father has a new job and an orchestra. Kada's life is very different in New Mexico. For starters, she is the only black girl in her class and she's experiencing bullying and racism. She misses her best friend back in Maryland, who is also black and has white parents. Lena is the only person Kada knows who understands the strange looks and comments she gets from strangers about her family or what it's like to experience daily microaggressions, sometimes from your own family members. As the book progresses, Kada becomes increasingly worried about her mother, a former concert violinist who is sinking into depression and is unwilling to get professional help. Things get especially tough for Kata and her sister when their father goes on tour with the orchestra and their mother's depression worsens. There is a lot going on in this book, and it's a lot for one 11-year-old girl to handle. While the book doesn't talk down to its readers or sugarcoat Kata's situation, it also doesn't overwhelm, showing moments of tenderness alongside the difficult ones. For example, one of the ways Kata copes is by listening to the Georgia Bells, an imaginary group of Black women who comfort her with song. Kata has musical talent herself and enjoys writing song lyrics and scatting, and she uses music to celebrate the joyous times and get through the hard times. Kata also has family who love her, including her sometimes misguided parents and sister. Told in short lyrical chapters that include Kata's song lyrics, poems, and letters to and from Lena, the writing style of For Black Girls Like Me is both varied and true to a young girl's voice. I especially recommend it for fans of Jacqueline Woodson or Sandra Cisneros. Throughout the book, Kata's mother insists on healthy food. When she takes Kata and Eve to a local organic restaurant for pizza, the girls bond over their shared dislike of it. Quote, it's much better than Domino's, isn't it? Mama says to us. Not really, Eve says under her breath, catching my eye, unquote. 
You could just order Domino's to pair with for black girls like me, but if you'd like to try making your own pizza at home, we have quite a few cookbooks devoted just to pizza, including several that are available on Hoopla. Personally, I like to make pizza using the recipe for quick pizza dough from the New York Times. You make the dough ahead of time and throw it in the freezer, so all you have to do is thaw it and roll it out when you feel a pizza craving coming on. We'll link to the recipe on our blog. If you like crime novels, I suggest checking out Hillbilly Hustle by Wesley Brown. I recently read several really good reviews of this book and immediately added it to my TBR. Set in Richmond, Kentucky, this book follows Knox Thompson, a pizzeria owner who is looking to keep it from going under. He decides to go big and ends up cleaning out a backroom poker game, but is then roped into dealing marijuana out the back of his pizza shop. He's not the smartest tool in the shed, continually bungling things and getting himself into deeper trouble along the way. A lot of real-life Richmond businesses and a few Lexington ones, too, show up in the story, which I thought was pretty cool. Publishers Weekly mentions in this review, if you're a fan of Charles Portis or Daniel Woodrow, this book would be right up your alley. If you're more into Kentucky history, I suggest reading Battletown Witch, Leah Smock, The Evolution of Witchcraft and the Last Witch Burning in America by Gerald W. Fisher. This tells a little-known but fascinating story of Leah Smock, a 22-year-old woman who was burned as a witch in 1840 near Battletown, Kentucky. This book also explores the socioeconomic environment of the area and what is known about her family and her death and the legends surrounding it, as well as the history of witchcraft in Europe and how those beliefs and superstitions evolved in the American colonies. 1840 does sound really late for a witch burning. Yeah, I've never heard of this. (laughs) before until actually a customer came in and was recommending uh put on a purchase request for it i was like i gotta check that out yeah i mean Kentucky's Kentucky behind is... the curve on everything <laughs> else might as well be witch burning yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean i mean you, everybody knows about the salem witch trials but i've never heard about this and then my final suggestion if you're a true crime fan i suggest dark highway Love, Murder, and Revenge in 1930s Kentucky by Anne D'Angelo. It tells a riveting true story of the murder of Verna Gar Taylor, a successful businesswoman who was found dead in a ditch, shot through the heart. Her fiancé, former Kentucky Lieutenant Governor Henry Denhart, claims it's suicide. With the clues not adding up and pointing to murder, he becomes a chief suspect and is put on trial for murder. The, the trial drew national and international interest. But the trial resulted in a hung jury, and a second trial was in the works, but not everyone was willing to wait for justice. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> All right, so I would also suggest, and this is one I have in my back pocket, I thought about doing this one, but I ended up not. Um, we have The Birds of Opulence by Crystal Wilkinson. This book interweaves the lives of African-American women in a small town 
uh, a small Kentucky town called Opulence. This novel laces a historical setting with magical realism for a unique flavor and was the winner of the 2016 Ernest J. Gaines Prize for Literary Excellence. Uh, Crystal Wilkinson, the author, currently teaches creative writing at the University of Kentucky. The Birds of Opulence is available in hard copy at JCPL. Uh, I have worked with Crystal Wilkinson before, and she's a very wonderful person. Um, so yeah, give a book a read. Um, Number two, The Walking Dead by Robert Kirkman. Uh, listeners may already be familiar with The Walking Dead TV show, which Robert Kirkman also has a hand in, but I'm talking about the Eisner Award-winning comic series that started everything. Uh, the Walking Dead takes a relatively new approach towards a zombie apocalypse. Whereas many stories focus on the initial outbreak, The Walking Dead is special for its focus on the survival of humans well into the breakdown of society after zombies are well-established. It's a weird thing to think of. Well-established zombies. Um, <laughs> they came prepared. Uh, full of action and suspense, horror lovers will, well, they'll love the series. Uh, Kirkman was born in Lexington and raised in Cynthiana. He now splits his time living uh, in California and Cynthiana. Uh, the Walking Dead comic series is available in a variety of formats from the Jessamine County Public Library. Um, okay, this is really more of a source for finding Kentucky books, which I already mentioned. Uh, the University Press of Kentucky. Uh, while not everyone included is a Kentucky author, this small publisher located in Lexington, Kentucky focuses on stories, information, and authors in Kentucky, the Ohio Valley region, the Upper South, and Appalachia. Uh, the fourth one is The Thing About Leftovers by C.C. Payne. Uh, so now this middle grade novel follows the story of Fizzy Russo, who feels like a leftover from her parents' marriage. This book, which won the 2019 Kentucky Bluegrass Award for 6th through 8th grade, tackles divorce from a perspective that's accessible and friendly to young readers. C.C. Payne was born and raised in Lexington, Kentucky, and The Thing About Leftovers is available electronically and in hard copy through JCPL. Um, I have seen CC Payne in person at East Jessamine Middle School. She's wonderful with kids. Um, last, I have Echoes Between Us by Katie McGarry. Katie McGarry is a Kentucky author specializing in teen romance novels, which is wonderful for teens who may not always find books that represent their own settings. Uh, this book even incorporates a hint of magic. Currently, Echoes Between Us is available as a downloadable audiobook from JCPL. So one of my absolute favorite books by a Kentucky writer, and one I read long before I moved to Kentucky, is Come and Go, Molly Snow by Marianne Taylor Hall. Carrie Marie Mullins, a Kentucky bluegrass fiddler who, like me, is originally from central Florida, falls for a fellow band member and loses her five-year-old daughter in a senseless accident. 
with the help of two older women who let Carrie live with them on their farm after her daughter's death, she learns the healing power of music and the day-to-day. Berea writer Alex E. Harrow's new book, The Once and Future Witches, is getting rave reviews, including by one of our Books and Bites book club members who said it was her favorite book of the year so far. In the late 1800s, three sisters use witchcraft to change the course of history in this powerful novel of magic and the suffragette movement. Harrow's first novel, The Ten Thousand Doors of January, is also a historical fantasy in which a young woman embarks on a journey of self-discovery after finding a mysterious book. If you still need to complete the short stories prompt, you might try So We Can Glow, a new collection by Louisville writer Lisa Crossmith. From Kentucky to the California desert, these 42 short stories expose the glossy and matte hearts of girls and women in moments of obsessive desire and fantasy, wildness and bad behavior, brokenness and fearlessness, and more. Regular listeners may remember that Melissa talked about Crossmith's novel, Whiskey and Ribbons, in a previous Books and Bites episode. If you're interested in nonfiction, you might try In the Shadow of the Valley, a memoir by Bobby Kahn. Raised in a remote Kentucky holler in the 1980s, Kahn writes about her survival despite being born poor, female, and cloistered in the Appalachian region. And finally, Fenton Johnson has a new book out that I recently started called At the Center of All Beauty, Solitude and the Creative Life. The book explores what it means to be solitary and celebrates the notion common in the author's Roman Catholic childhood that solitude is a legitimate and dignified calling. It also delves into the lives and works of nearly a dozen iconic solitaries, including Thoreau, Emily Dickinson, Bill Cunningham, Cezanne, and Zora Neale Hurston. Thanks for listening to the Books and Bites podcast. To find out more about the podcast, the Books and Bites challenge, or the Books and Bites discussion group, or to turn in your 2020 challenge form, visit our website at jesspublib.org forward slash books hyphen bites. Our theme song is The Breakers by Scott Whitten from his album In Close Quarters with the Enemy. You can find out more about Scott and his music on his website, adoreforadesk.com.